We are continuing our series on Psalms. In fact, today's Psalm is from Psalm 35. And uh, this is a, a, a Psalm that I'm incredibly, uh, I would say enthusiastic or thrilled to share with you this morning because it, it's one of those that has touched me deeply. You know, there's many times that I start studying uh, what I'm preaching and it touches me and then I get to share it. But then there's those that I've had with me for a while that I can't wait for the opportunity to actually share it. And this is one of those Psalms. You know, uh, it, it reminds me of where we are right now in today's world and, and especially in our church. Um, we started off 2020 uh, with this great vision here at Grace Bible Church. You might remember way back at the beginning of the year, that feels like 10 years ago, that we were gonna engage the world around us and we were gonna focus on evangelism. We were going to change as a church and begin to build those roots into our lives so that we look different at the end of 2020. Then we look at the beginning of 2020. And we wanted to specifically grow in the area of evangelism in our daily lives, in our church, in the way that we function, the way we live within the community that God has given us. And we started off the year. We were so thrilled and excited about it. We gave everyone a book called Questioning Evangelism so they could learn how to use questions to share the truth of who God is and get to know that person that they might be wanting to share Christ with. And then the second month, we got excited because we were able to provide an opportunity for you to pray for your neighbors. You could either choose to pray for your neighbors because you knew them, or if you didn't know your neighbors, we would send you a list of those people that live around you so that you could pray for them daily and get reminders. And we grew in that. I grew in that, and I was grateful for it. And then March came around, and we had the opportunity to begin talking to our neighbors, to invite them, to just get to know them. And then... While we were changing to engage the world around us, the world around us changed where it became hard to engage it. And we thought, what are we going to do now? We looked around, we looked at each other, and we thought, okay, let's just take one step forward in the right direction following Christ. And we have been doing that ever since. And you probably feel like you've been doing that ever since, and you're looking around like, what now? I think Psalm 35 is David looking around and saying, what now? And to understand that, you kind of have to understand where he comes from when he writes Psalm 35. You see, this is an individual lament. It's not a corporate lament. It's not one for all of Israel like many of the Psalms or many other laments that are actually in Scripture. This is personal to David where David feels like he has lost what God has given him, not because of himself, but because of others that have attacked him and pushed him out. Something that was outside of his control. I believe this psalm is written during the time where he flees from Saul. There are debates that it's the time when he flees from Absalom, but I think there's pretty there's two pretty good pieces of evidence within this psalm that you can actually see that points to it has to be towards Saul. Number one, it follows Psalm 34 that very clearly is written to David or by David when he flees from Saul. But the second one is actually within the psalm itself. Within the psalm, you find out that there, David doesn't confess to anything necessarily that he has done, which isn't true to his time when he fled Absalom. When David fled from Saul, he couldn't figure it out. He was confused. He wasn't sure why, which makes sense. I mean, think about this. 
David, when he came on the scene for Saul, was during the time where Goliath was attacking with the Philistines his kingdom. And no one could stand against David or Goliath. And David, who is not a soldier in the army, comes as a shepherd and realizes there is a Philistine man, a giant, that is blaspheming against the God of Israel. And David goes out and he defeats Goliath and brings back Goliath's sword for Israel on account of that. And then when Saul actually is troubled in his spirit because he felt demonic attack, he needed someone to play soothing music for him. And they went and got David, a shepherd, to bring his instrument to come and play before Saul and it would calm him down. And then David became a commander in, the, in his army. He became a leader in the army that actually created so many defeats for the neighboring countries that it brought Saul lots of claim and glory, but it also brought David a lot of acclaim and glory. And that made Saul jealous. But everything that David had done had been for the country of Israel that Saul was in charge of. And David never went back in following and being obedient to Saul. But Saul saw him as someone that was a hindrance in his life. He had to eliminate him. So one time he actually threw a spear at him that went into the wall and David fled. And David fled again right here. And when he flees here, it's from a banquet that Saul was trying to throw where David would come and he'd capture him. In fact, I think David knew that Saul had something against him. He was trying to figure it out. Jonathan helped him flee, and he fled to this town called Nob, which is west of Jerusalem. Now, David didn't flee from Jerusalem, but he ended up west of Jerusalem here. And when he fled here, he went to this temple. And when he went to this, uh, uh, this temple place or this, this uh, place of worship, uh, the priest saw him, and he was by himself. Everyone knew who David was, and it actually startled him. And David said, hey, listen, I'm on a secret mission from the Lord. And he uses those words intentionally to mislead the priest. And the priest gives him some showbread, which was replaced every week that was put on the altar before the Lord. So he got this old bread, and he actually said um, to actually Doeg, who happened to be there as well, that was one of the servants of Saul. He said, does there happen to be a weapon or something? Because I need to go meet the, the army to be able to do what the Lord has sent me to do. And he gives him the sword of Goliath. And David flees there and he ends up in Gath, which is actually Philistine territory. And while there, they know him because of what he's done. And so he's fled, he's by himself, and what does he do? He pretends to be crazy so that they won't attack him, so he won't even look like David. He was slobbering on himself. And he had to be getting to this point thinking, what in the world is going on? I wasn't even in the army, I was a shepherd. I was called to the king's court to play through the music, but now I'm running from him. I was called to fight for Israel and deliver God glory, but now I'm being denied. And he has to be thinking, what now? And he turns to the one that only we can turn to in times of trouble and confusion, the Lord. And I think Psalm 35 helps us see how we should turn to God. How does God want us to turn to him? And we're going to look at Psalm 35. And Psalm 35 is broken up into three laments. So I've broken this psalm up into lament one, 
Lament 2, and Lament 3. It makes it very easy to follow along, doesn't it? And the first one focuses on a call for help. The second one actually focuses on accusation. And the third one focuses on a request or a petition. So let's look at the call for help. Psalm 35. David turns to the Lord. You can see him without anyone else around. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish a spear and a javelin. The spear was for close combat. The javelin is for those that are far away. He's saying, cover it all. Against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back to dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. And may their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them since they hid their net for me without cause. And without cause, they dug a pit for me. May ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord. My delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them. The poor and needy from those who rob them. It's clearly a call for the Lord here. Um, it, you know, when I think about passages in scripture to help me memorize them, remember what they're about, I typically uh, attribute them to something that I'm somewhat familiar with. And, and to me, Psalm 35 is the bat signal in the Old Testament. It is the bat signal. If you don't know what I mean by bat signal, it's from the comic book Batman. And it was actually first shown in either 1939 or 1940. But the bat signal was an opportunity for the commissioner, the law officials. They couldn't stop crime there in uh, the city. And so what they would do is they would call on Batman, the only one that could possibly help them out, that could infiltrate and figure out these riddles and get the criminals that are causing such havoc that'll wreck the city if they're left alone. And the bat signal was actually a huge spotlight on top of the building. And they would place the image of Batman, his icon, on top of it. So it would shine up, hopefully at the clouded sky so people could see it well. And it would shine up knowing that Batman would see it. You see, this was in a time where telephones were, they were around, but they weren't very accessible. This is before cell phones. This is before people were able to call, text, were able to page, do anything like that. And so if someone was not at home, they did not know how to contact that person. And in fact, this was before answering machines. And if you're not sure what answering machines were, they were attached to your phone so that you could call. And after a few rings, you could leave a message that someone could come back and play. But still, you couldn't find out what was on that answer machine unless you were home. And it was before that time. The fastest way to reach Batman wherever he might be is just to shine a light up to heaven and say, I need your help. And here's the thing. 
you didn't know when Batman would see it. You didn't know when he would arrive. But you did know that it was your only chance. That's what Psalm 35 is for David. It's his only chance. He knows he needs to turn to God. And he turns to him and he says, take up your shield, contend for me, fight for me. I need your help. And he even says to him, say to me in verse three, I am your salvation. That's the I am Batman of the Old Testament. And he actually tells him, he says, I know how powerful you are, chase them. In verse five, it says, uh, may they be like the wind uh, that blows the shaft. You see, the shaft was a part of wheat that after it was beat, after it was dried up, it was tossed in the wind, beat, tossed in the wind, beat, and the light little pieces would break off and the grain would fall and it would fly in the wind. It was possibly the weakest material that was even available at that time for people in Israel. But look who chases this shaft in the wind, the angels of the Lord, which were considered the most powerful being that Israel had known about. And he's saying, go all out against them. They'll be like the shaft before your angels. I know how powerful you are, God, is what he says. And not only that, even if they try to get away, he says, let their feet be on slippery rock and let it be dark where they can't even see where they're going. If you read through the Old Testament, you will be surprised by how concerned people are with having straight paths having unslippery paths, having clear paths, because it's such rocky terrain. It was easy to roll your ankle or get injured in some way or cut your foot, and they would be careful, and sure-footedness was valued. And he's saying, just make it slippery. Make it even hard for them to, to leave. And why? He says, because at the very end of this first lament, you rescue the poor and needy from those too strong that rob us. He knows this from experience. David knows that God is the one that can rescue the poor and needy because he's the one that fought against Goliath and he knows it was at the hand of the Lord that defeated Goliath. So the first thing we learn for this psalm is that we need to call out to God for help. Calling out to God is a recognition of who he is. And I think many of us don't call out to God quick enough. We want to try to fix it ourselves or we want to try to use our own gifts. We want to, but we, we need to go to the Lord first. We need to go to the Lord first and call out to him. You have to call out to the Lord. He wants to be called out to. He is your only help. Everything you're dealing with ultimately will defeat you, even if you conquer a disease, even if you get past uh, whatever oppression you're feeling right now, even if you are able to survive any kind of hurt in your life, eventually it will catch up because this life is temporary. But what God provides for us is eternal. And no matter what you're depending on, it will not last. And it does not make sense to depend on that instead of the one that will. God wants to hear from you individually, not only corporately. I have a tendency to go too far sometimes. Um, 
And, and, and when I go too far, I think, okay, the, the church needs to be together all the time. We need to be sitting here all the time. If we're not here in this room singing together, praising God together, is it really working? Because there is something mystical. There is something magical. There is something important about the body of Christ worshiping the Lord together. And in the perfect circumstances, in good circumstances even, that is what we're supposed to do. But it does not mean that we're not one body worshiping together at home. And sometimes I've pushed back and tried to gather people together, come, 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 come. I've actually neglected personally to share how important you are to God individually. You are incredibly important to God. God values you. God desires you. God placed his image in you. He handcrafted you in your mother's womb so that you can represent and reflect who he is. He desires you. He cares about you. He wants to hear from you. You individually are important to him. And he thinks it is worth giving his life for you. And you might need to hear that. But the problem is, is we tend to look elsewhere. We tend to look outside of us. We tend to look at what other people can do for us. Or we look within us. What can we can do for ourselves? How can we protect ourselves? But I love Corey Ten Boom's quote on this. Look around and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. God desires for you to call out to him in all times and especially in times where you need him. So that is the first lament. Let's look at the second, which is an accusation. It it focuses on the accusation here. And David gets incredibly emotional during this section, I believe. He's emotional throughout the whole thing, but that's very important. Verse 11, he says, Ruthless witnesses come forward and they question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave me like one bereaved. And then he goes into example. I, referring to himself, David, yet When they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though my friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. But when I stumbled, and he shows it here, they don't do the same thing. They gathered in glee. Assailants gathered against me without my knowledge. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked me. They gnashed their teeth at me. How long, Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. He ends there with a hope to the future. He wants to be reunited with Israel that loves the Lord, but these people clearly do not. He gives a description in here of how they slander him and gossip against him, meaning he saw this moment coming before he ever fled. And then he goes on to explain how he actually 
gave his life to care and love these people, even the ones that were against them and slandered them. But they didn't reflect that. In fact, they were malicious against it. They used it against him. It shows they were jealous of David and the way God was blessing him. Instead of recognizing what God was doing in him, they accused David. That's why David's accusation is about them. He knows at the end there that he only needs God, but he needs God to act. This is the moment in the Psalm where Batman is up on the roof. He meets Commissioner Gordon and he tells him, he says, this is what's going on. This is how bad it is. And Batman listens to it. The Lord listens to it. And he says, when are you gonna act, Batman? And that's what he is doing here. You see, what David is doing here is he is honest with the Lord. And he says he does not understand. He is emotional. Now, let me say this about emotions. It is not a sin to have an emotional response. It's not a sin to have an emotional response. We tend to think when someone's emotional or we accuse them of being emotional that they have the wrong response. But it is a sin for your emotional response to be the primary influence in your life. It is a sin if your emotional response takes precedent over what you know to be true in the Lord. And David does not do that. David's emotional statements are actually founded on truths and the worship of God that he deserves. It lands on a reunion to the entire state to come together in a peaceful place to be able to worship the Lord. In fact, all these psalmists that cry out and laments, they are not focused on the actual problem that's going on. They're focused on wanting to be within the worship and peace of God, to be at rest with him. And they see the wrong that's going on that's preventing people from seeing the goodness of the Lord. And so the laments, these laments are actually expressions of praise. They aren't complaints. But David was honest with the Lord. It does you no good to be dishonest to the Lord with what's going on. He knows you. He knows you before you even spoke. He knows what you were gonna say. Before you thought about it, he knows what you're gonna say. Before you acted on it in reflex, he knows how you would have responded. So you need to be honest with the Lord. Not only do you call on the Lord, but be honest with him. He can Handle it. And you need to be honest before the Lord. In fact, there is nothing more absurd or illogical than lying to God. There's nothing. Over and over again in scripture, it shows that God knows what is going on. In fact, those people that have a history of lying and pretending to be who they are before the Lord without even turning to him, Jesus actually says something about that. At the end of his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he actually says, I never knew you. These people came to him and said, what? We preached in your name. What? We, uh, we cast out demons in your name. We healed people in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. It's because they never did that stuff seeking the Lord. They did that stuff for other people's acclamation of themselves to make it look like they were in control. That's not what God desires. And he says to those same people, 
He says, go and learn what this means. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. God wants to hear from you and he wants you to be honest with him. And some of you might not have been honest. And it's possible that you might not be honest because you might not understand what contentment is. You think you need to lie or fib or withhold from being honest because that reveals contentment, and it doesn't. You see, some people think satisfaction and contentment are the same thing. They are not the same thing. You can be unsatisfied and content in the Lord at the same time. And that's often what you see in scripture. You can be unsatisfied and content with the Lord at the same time. Paul does this regularly in his life where he talks about the contentment he has in the Lord, but his unsatisfaction with where he is and where he gets to go and who he gets to preach to. Being stuck in jail and not being able to be with those people in that church that he prays for. You see, contentment reveals our love and our need in God so that we can be satisfied in all things one day. But right now, God needs to hear from us and he needs us to be honest. And the last lament here, the last lament is a lament of request. It's a petition. It's the action. And if we're following our Batman motif, this is the time where he says, this is what we need from you, Batman. This is what we need from you, Lord. Verse 19, so do not let those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Do not let those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peacefully, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. They sneer at me and they say, aha, aha, with our own eyes, we've seen it, accusing him of what he's done. Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. And then this line is very important. Listen to this line. Vindicate me in your righteousness. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord, my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what we want. And we call them or say, we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and grace. And then he lands on this verse, 27. May those who delight, involving all those in Israel that have never strayed from the Lord, may those who delight in my vindication Shout for joy and gladness. He's asking to bring about worship. May they always say the Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praise all day long. In this petition, what you see in verse 20, these people are the opposite of the type of people that should be influencing and leading others. They take advantage of people, God's people. 
And David is upset because he says, once I'm out of the way, who will care for those people? Who will care for those ill mentioned above? And when he says, vindicate me in your righteousness, it's a call to the covenant relationship his people have with God. This is a worship-filled statement. And when God vindicates him in God's righteousness so that others can see the rest of the nation, the believers see God's mercy and they turn and worship, praising the Lord because peace is brought. This is a request for God to take vengeance. But we learn in Romans 12, 17 through 21, that our responsibility is patience and turning to the Lord. Vengeance is the Lord's responsibility. So what are we called to do? Well, in the verse prior to that, in verse 15, it says, mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. And what I've seen sometimes is our church, not just grace, but just the church in the world, we're quick to accuse others without mourning those that are hurt and with those that are hurt. And individually, God has called you to do that, to mourn with those who mourn. And this is his, our request of God to take vengeance. One day, but I would say peacefully, slowly, in a way that actually allows people to turn to him. One of the interesting things in scripture, especially in the gospels, is you see Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. He is unbelievably patient with them until they quit questioning Jesus and then they begin accusing Jesus to others and passing around misleading statements like he heals by the power of Beelzebul. And Jesus stops. No, don't mislead other people. You can blaspheme me, you can blaspheme the Father, but don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And then he begins teaching in parables because it caused the Pharisees to question him. So they quit misleading other people. God cares about his people turning to him and seeking him for guidance. What we need to do is we need to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep, but we need to listen to God through his scriptures. The more requests that we share in scriptures, if, um, let me say it this way, the more we read the scriptures, our requests will line up with God's will because the spirit transforms us. It moves in us so that we actually follow what God desires. Remember, during emotional and confusing times, this is the time to actually turn to the Lord. This is the time to seek what he has already said, to listen to God. Remember what you believe. Remember what you know. Remember what is certain and cling on to that. And that's what David is doing. He is turning to the Lord and he's saying, I cling on to you because you and you alone are the only one that can provide salvation. And that's what he provided through Jesus on the cross. Jesus came and listened to our petition before we even proclaimed it. And he died for our sins on the cross so that we might be sinless before the Lord. 
And those that believe in his death and believe in his resurrection get to participate in eternal life apart from sin, hurt, for all eternity. COVID feels like it's been eternity, but it's only been three and a half months here in Dallas. All eternity, free from all sin, all hurt, all pain, with God's people worshiping the Lord together. This psalm is about restoring God's will for his people. It's a personal lament that affects all the believers around. David needs to get right so that he can help lead others to the Lord. It's much like whenever you fly on an airplane. When you fly on an airplane, back when we got to fly on airplanes, um, what would happen is the stewardess would come on and they'd have a recording so that you would know that if some sort of turbulence, something happened, an oxygen mask drops down, it's important for you to get right first. You put on the oxygen mask and then you help your child. It's more sacrificial to help yourself quickly so you can help those around you. That everybody looks out for those around them regardless of what they're capable of doing. And that's what I believe David is saying. Who is going to help those other people because I've been driven out and I've been wronged? The world needs the Lord right now. The world needs God right now. That's one of the reasons we sang that song prior to this sermon. And one of the reasons we're gonna finish with that song or follow up this sermon with that song Because we need to cry out to the Lord and call out to him. And we need to share what's really going on in our lives and not hold back. There's no point in lying about it. And we need to request for God to get involved, to allow him to infiltrate our life so that we won't be lonely, but we will be with him. So we won't be hurt because we will be with him. What I know is that this time where people are isolated and they're at home, for some, this is a scary time because being at home is not safe for them. And you need to call out to the Lord. And those of you that might be the unsafe people in these households, you need to repent before the Lord and turn to him and allow him to move in your heart so that you can be there for those that are around you. We all need to call out to the Lord. We all need to be honest with the Lord and we all need to expect him to respond in our life. And although we might not be satisfied with where we are a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, we can find contentment and peace in the Lord because Corrie Boom says, and I believe what she says, that when you turn to the Lord, you will have rest. So let's pray for rest right now as we turn to the Lord. Father, we are so grateful for your mercy, your love, your peace. We are so grateful for the way that you've provided for us. We're so grateful for the way that you have requested to hear from us and you care about us. We're so grateful that we can be honest with you because you know us. And you desire that. And we are so grateful that we can request for you to get involved because we need you and we have no hope in anyone else. And Father, I pray, I pray that our church responds to this psalm.
I pray that our city responds to this psalm. I pray that believers all over the world respond to this psalm and turn to you. And Lord, let us continue to press into you, expecting you to lead us, to guide us until the day we get to be joined with you forever and ever. And until then, we need you in this world. Amen.